And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. God, we do ask that You would help us understand this magnificent news, this great joy, of, this, this good news of great joy that will be for all people. We pray this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know I can't be the only one who's ever seen these before, but we live in an era of, of uh, great announcement telling, don't we? There's announcements all over the place. YouTube and Facebook love, people love to make announcements. And, and one particular popular one is, is birth announcements, right? The announcement of a first child. Mostly it's a first child. After that, it's kind of just like, nah, okay, we've been there, done that. But it's the announcement of, of a child, and, and, and they want to post it on YouTube or on Facebook, and there's, there's this kind of underlying, but not really underlying, because it would be kind of selfish to say that you want it to go viral, or you want everyone to see it, but, but you can't really say that, so it's just more for your family. But really, you want everyone to see it. And so sometimes there will be like a grandparent or a, or a husband with earmuffs and, and the wife is saying, I'm pregnant, and they're trying to understand what she's saying. And then, and then there's this, ah, you're, you're pregnant, we're going to have a baby. And it's posted for everyone to see. Confetti cannon, powder cannon. You know, I wonder if, if Jesus had a PR team from the 21st century, if they would have handled his birth announcement the same way that we read in Scripture this morning. I wonder if they would have decided, uh, the shepherds, we can't go to the shepherds. We, we need to go to the kings. We, we, we have to go to the influential people. We have to... We have to let as many people know about this as possible. The, the Son of God, the Messiah, the, the one who's going to save all people, gets announced to a couple of shepherds in the middle of night. <laughs> I wonder if maybe if it was a 21st, PR, 21st century PR team, if, if it kind of the conversation would have kind of went like this. Hey, angels... I told you to turn on Shepherd Lane and go to Caesar's house, not, not go to the shepherds who are laying. We want, in our birth announcements, everyone to know, and yet, in this story, the Christmas story, what we see 
is that the angels go to this very normal, ordinary place to a couple of shepherds. It wasn't this extraordinary thing that everybody heard about. A few shepherds heard it. And so this morning, I just want to make a couple of observations for us in our text. It's that Christmas points to the humble Savior who brings good news to all people. So we're going to see this morning three observations. The first observation is we're going to see the people. The second is the announcement. And then the third is the response. So let's first look at the people. Who, who are the people that this announcement goes to? Is it, is it the, it's not the influential people. We already saw that. It's, it's the shepherds. The shepherds. This is, this is very poetic. Any, this is very poetic how it comes out. Why? Because shepherds in the Old Testament, they had this good reputation. Shepherds in the Old Testament, they, they had this, this wonderful reputation. If you look at the leaders of the Old Testament, some of the, the biggest leaders, the patriarch leaders, are shepherds. Moses. The great Moses who led the people out of Egypt and then led them through the wilderness for 40 years. He was a shepherd. He was this great leader that Israel looked to and, and said, we follow Moses, we, we, we follow him, he's this great leader of ours. And he was a shepherd. And then you look at David, David was a shepherd. King David, David, the, the one who, who slayed Goliath with a slingshot, he was a shepherd. And he, he was the, the most famous king that Israel has, has ever had. He was the epitome of leaders in Israel. He was the king, the king, the one king that everyone could look back on and agree, this guy was the king. He was a shepherd. Not only that, but in one of the Psalms that David writes about God, David calls God a shepherd. God was seen as a shepherd. You know the, the psalm, Psalm 23, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He, he, he brings me besides still water. God is seen as a shepherd. In the Old Testament, shepherds were seen in a positive light. They had a good reputation. God used shepherds constantly for his advancement. But now, when the angels are coming to the shepherds, the, the shepherds have a totally different reputation. It's, it's the opposite now. They are the misfits of society. They're kind of on the outs of society. People look at them and they, they don't really get them very much. They don't understand them all that well. They're on the outside. The shepherds, their, their job was important. They raised up sheep for sacrifices. And yet, uh, society saw them, as un, uh, uh, they saw them as misfits. Society looked at them and they undervalued the shepherds. Shepherds, they, they were workaholics. They were constantly working seven days a week. And these shepherds that we see in this passage, they're working third shift, aren't they? They're working the night shift, the graveyard shift. They're out in the middle of the night. They're, they're, shepherds are workaholics. 
which because of that, they couldn't follow the man-made religious rules of the day. They, they weren't able to, to follow these rules that, that the Pharisees and the religious people had established. And because they couldn't follow these rules, they were almost excommunicated from then synagogue, from, from the service that they were supposed to attend to. So they were workaholics. They couldn't follow man-made religious laws. And they were unable to go to service. But, but not only that, the shepherds at this time, they also developed a reputation as, of being liars, of being um, undependable, of being dishonest. If, if a shepherd was taken to court or used as a witness in court, the, the court official, they would look at um, the, the testimony of the shepherd as unreliable. And yet this is who the angels appear to. This is, when we look at the Christmas story, as we look at the story, this is who the angels are coming to. The shepherds. In the middle of the night. These workaholic, unreligious, undependable people. And you know what? This is you and I. Workaholics, undependable, unable to follow the, the, the man-made religious laws of the day. Isn't it? This is, this is us. We're the shepherds. Aren't we? we? We can't follow, I mean, you know, we cannot follow the religious laws of the day. We can't. Whether, whether it's the religious laws of, of the church or the religious laws of, of the cultural society. The, the man-made religious laws that people put in place that say, unless you follow these things, you can't belong here. I mean, we all, we all do it. Society does it. The culture does it. The church isn't the only place that does it. The church gets blamed for it f far more often. But, but we all do it. We all set up religious laws in our lives that we say, you can't belong here, you can't come into this group of people unless you follow these set of rules, unless you believe these set of things along with me. Society and the church does this. Why? Because our hearts are, are prone to say, uh, you can't come in here unless you do this. You can't be a part of this unless you do this. which then puts us on the outside. Unable to step in. We're the shepherds. We're dishonest. We use people for our own gain. We are workaholics. We, we, don't, we, we work in order to just try to get more things that think please us in the moment. And yet, it's the angel of the Lord is sent to the shepherds. The, the angel of the Lord, um, what we could even call the angel of the Lord, is, is it's the messenger of the Lord. The messenger of the Lord is, is going to, to bring a message to the shepherds. So, so the messenger of the Lord is sent. The messenger of the Lord, is he's sent to the shepherds. Not the kings, not the religious leaders, 
Not the influential people of the day who could have really helped Jesus' mission out. The, the, the messenger of the Lord, he's, he sent to these shepherds. He sent to, these, uh, to, to, the, uh, uh, um, he sent to the workaholic. He's, he's to bring a message to the workaholic, to, to the undependable person, to the, to the person that's unable to, to walk along the, the religious rules or laws of the day. This is who the angel of the Lord is sent to, the messenger of the Lord, to bring a message to the shepherds. And then our passage it tells us what, what happens next is, is the, the, the shepherds, they find themselves in the eye of this hurricane of glory. Glory is all around them. And, and in, in the New Testament, one of the other places that helps us understand what is really happening here is the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus is on top of this mountain with Peter, John, and James, and, and while he's on top of this mountain, the, there's glory that's shown. It was bright, it was bright, bright light. Brighter than the sun. And this is what the, the, the shepherds are experiencing at this point. They're experiencing this, this brightness around them in the middle of the night that they have never seen before. They've never experienced this. Night after night, as they walk out into the same pasture or they move their sheep or they, they go and get their sheep or they're protecting their sheep, they'd never experienced anything like this before. But now they, they find themselves with this bright glory all around them, with this angel of the Lord, the, the messenger of the Lord standing before them, prepared to give them a message. And the shepherds are full of fear. Christmas, it reminds us that the message isn't just for the people who are put together. The, the, the message isn't just for people who are of religious status, who are of importance, of, of, of value in society. The, the message of Jesus goes directly to the common people. The people in the thick of it. The people that society would say, there's no hope for them. You know, recently I was having a conversation with a, with a young man, and as I was having this conversation with him, here walks a, another guy, in and he sits down and he overhears our conversation a little bit and then this other guy gets up that I was talking to walks away and as I'm sitting there this other guy kind of scoffs and then says to me I don't know why you're having a conversation with him there's no hope for him you, you don't talk you don't have to worry about talking to him The Christmas message is for those who are hopeless. The message of Jesus coming is for those who aren't put together. The message of Jesus is for those who need Jesus. You know, one of the amazing things about the coming of Christ, one of the, the amazing things about Jesus coming, about the, this message that the angel brings to the shepherds, is it gives us a clue of who the message is for and where it goes. The Christmas message tells us who 
this message is for. It's 30 some years later, Jesus tells the religious elites, the, the Pharisees, the people who are put together, the influential people of society, he tells them, I haven't come for the healthy. I've come for the sick. I've come for those who, who aren't put together. I've come for those who aren't full of pride but willing to submit themselves and say, here I am, Jesus. I'm a mess. I'm a basket case. Here I am. Take me. This is who Jesus is, has come for. And this is what this message, this Christmas message tells us. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're a basket case in the best possible way. Maybe you're hopeless. Maybe you're the misfit of society. The messenger of the Lord wants to come to you. He wants to tell you the good news of great joy. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're looking at somebody and thinking to yourself, there is just no hope for them. That's the person you need to share the message of Christmas with. That's the person you need to tell about Jesus. And we see it happens in the normal place of the field. The very ordinary place that the shepherds had been at. Night after night after night. It happens in the workplace. It happens at the gas station. It happens in your home. So first, the, the Christmas message. It shows us the, the people. It shows us who this message is for. The people this message is for. It's for ordinary people. It's for misfits. It's for those without hope. Those not put together. So second, what is this message? What is the message of Christmas? Well, let's, let's read what the angel says. He said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of, uh, of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So as, as the shepherds, as they're fearful, the, the first response of the messenger of the Lord is fear not. Take comfort. Have hope. Why? Because what I'm about to tell you is great news. It's good news. It brings great joy. It's for all people. Not a certain kind of people. All people. So what's, what's this message? This message is that the long-awaited Savior, the long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited Rescuer, He's coming. And not only is He coming, but He's here today. He was just born. The long-awaited Savior who is to rescue you is here today. This is the fulfillment of what we read earlier of Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. That the Son of David, that this great Messiah, that this great Savior, this great Rescuer would come 
This is why it's good news, and this is why it brings great joy, because the Savior is here. The one to rescue those, the one to free the slave, the one to free the addicted, the one to bring hope, to bring peace. He's here today. And where should the shepherds look? Do the shepherds go to the castle? Do they go to the palace? Do they, do they walk up to Caesar's uh, living quarters, knock on the door and say, we're here to look for the king? No. The son of David, the savior of the world, the king of kings can be found wrapped in cloth. He can be found wrapped in a dish rag, lying in a manger. Now, I, I understand that there's some, because, right, we, we have nativity sets, and so we, uh, we'll put the nativity set up, and mostly it looks like a barn. We don't know if it was a barn. It could have been a cave. Uh, just, just that little pretty nativity, though, looks nicer than probably putting a cave because you can't really see then those little glass figurines. Or it could have been a house with animals. Whatever it is, the point is that this great king, the savior of the world, he's not wrapped in the most fancy cloth. He's not off in his own little room with attendants by his side, making sure that he's breathing. He's not laying in a, in a, a feathery bed. He's lying in hay, wrapped in cloth, the king of kings, the savior of the world, born into poverty. laid in a manger. This is one of the most confusing things for people. It's one of the hardest things for us to wrap our minds around at times, that, that God would come in the flesh and that he wouldn't count equality with himself, but that he would humble himself fully and utterly. That he would identify with you and I. I remember growing up, And uh, my, my dad, he, he, took, was, he was taking me fishing. And so we stopped at a gas station in the morning and we, we were getting worms and he said, go ahead and get whatever else you want. So, you know, I had a soda here, some donuts here, some chips there, some more soda, some more chips, a breakfast sandwich, because there's nothing better like gas station breakfast sandwiches, right? Especially in northern Wisconsin. And, and as I'm getting this stuff, which he told me to put back like half of it, he, he, uh, he's talking with a guy who looks like Larry the Cable Guy. Um, he had this cut-off flannel, these ripped jeans, these work boots on, and, and uh, he was talking with him. 
and I just, my dad just kind of knows everybody where we're from, and so I just figured, oh. So we, we get into the car, and, um, and he tells me, Max, would you believe me if I told you that man right there is the richest man in our, in our town? And I said, no way. Yeah, yeah, he told me. He's the richest man, but he decides not to look all pompous. This is what Jesus does. The king of kings, the, the, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who's created all things, the one who's created you, who's created me, who's created every single tree that this, the, that this planet has ever produced. Every star is his, and yet he humbles himself and he identifies and he looks like you and I. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't come in, in pompous arrogance saying, look at me, look at how impressive I am. He, he's, he's, not, he's not like a, like a slimy politician who comes to town and just tries to identify with, with people. Who, who, who says, I, I, I know how you are living. I get how you're living and I'm coming here to fix it just to make empty promises while, all, all the while he's wearing the suit and tie and, and, and all of that. No, Jesus, he humbles himself as lowly as he possibly can and he's born into a poor family. He, he identifies with his people. Jesus, believe it or not, he identifies with human people and he understands the human experience fully. The, the message, this is the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that God comes to dwell with his people. That the king of kings, the owner of all things that have been created, comes to dwell with his people, not in an arrogant way, but in a humble way. One that you and I could relate to. One where he says, I'm going to experience everything that a human could possibly experience. He takes off all of his splendor, all of his majesty. And when he's born, he's clothed with rags. The Christmas message, this Christmas message, it helps us realize something important. It helps us realize that God dwelt with man. And he did so in a humble way. He did so in a way where he's able to relate with your experiences. Do you understand that? Do, do, you, do you really understand? Do you believe that God has come to dwell with us? That he's experienced what you've experienced. He's lived through what you've lived through. He's lived through turmoil. He's lived through chaos. He's, he's experienced loss. He's experienced betrayal. He's experienced hurt from his best friends. He laughed. He cried. He joked around. He cooked. He cleaned. He celebrated. He was murdered. He lost friends. He experienced grief. He experienced anger. The Christmas message reminds us and tells us that God understands. He's not distant. He's not pompous. Instead, he lowly humbles himself and he goes through the whole human experience. What's the response then? Because the Christmas message, it has a response. It has a great response. And we see 
Just at the mention of this message, there is this great response. There's a, there's a, a, a heavenly host that's singing. There's worship. The heavenly host is, is, is a, an army. Thousands upon thousands of, of angels, angelic army people, or whatever they're called. And what is this army singing about? This army singing about peace. Peace. Peace for those whom he is pleased with. Why is there peace? Why are they singing this song of peace? Because the angels know what's going to happen. The angels understand that God is coming to unwrite everything. All of the bad things he's coming to make right. All of the evil in the world he's coming to undo. The angels understand this message. They understand what's about to unfold. They, they're about to understand the sinless life that Jesus is going to live. They understand the, the death and the sacrifice for our sins that he rose again. This is how we have peace. This is how we have peace with God. This is how he's pleased with us, by trusting in Christ, by trusting in the one who was sent for us. It's because when, when we trust in Christ, when, when we put our trust in him, when, when we say we're dependent upon you, the blessing that Christ receives through his sacrifice and his death, the, the, the blessing that he receives there, when we trust in him, we receive that blessing. You receive the blessing. Have you received this blessing, this blessing of peace? This peace with God. This is why the angels are singing. They understand that, that God, Emmanuel, God with us, he's coming to bring peace to people. This past year, Sharice and I, we, we read Haddon, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he, he wrote this, this book this, called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, and these, these siblings, they enter into the wardrobe and it's wintertime and they're told it's always winter and never Christmas. Which means it's always terrible and we never get to have the party. We never get to celebrate. It's always cold or foggy. And yet the, the children, they come into the wardrobe and, and everybody's excited to see them. Why? Because, because everyone's telling them, Aslan's on the move. Aslan's coming. He's here. He's going to defeat the White Witch. We know the prophecy says so. He's going to take care of it. He's going to make all of the wrong things right. He's, he's going to push away the evil. He's come. And they're worshiping. They're excited. They're anticipating this. And this is how the angels are. The, uh, the angels are anticipating this rescue, this rescue of God's people.
Because God came to dwell with us, we should rejoice. This is, this is the, the third observation of this morning. Because, during Christmas time, we rejoice because God came to dwell with us. The birth of Christ, it's good news. The birth of Christ, the, 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 the Christmas message is proof that God cares for his creation. God cares for you. He cares for it so deeply that he, he sent his only son. He sent his sinless son. His son would experience humiliation. His son would experience death. The birth of Christ brings joy and peace like nothing else can or could. Look, right here, the, the, the end of this song that the heavenly hosts sing, and then I'm going to pray for us and we'll sing one more song. It says, on, And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased with. Far too often in our lives, what we do is we work to please God. We think right here what, what, the, what the message of Christmas time is this, is, is you have to go out of your way to, to please. You need to please God. It's, it's, uh, some of you um, dressed way more fancy than you should have today. And some of you aren't dressed fancy enough. Okay? Oftentimes, this is how we treat the message of Christmas with God. We treat the message of Christmas with God like this. If I can just put my best clothes on, and come to church, then everyone will see that I'm doing okay. When in reality, you know that when you get home and you're around your family, you're going to get back into your pajamas. And, and we do this with God. We say, if I could just work and I could just, I can put on these works in front of God and, and please him enough, then he'll be happy with me. Then he'll think that I'll have it together. God doesn't, he's not pleased with how you look. He's pleased with your heart. He's not pleased with how well you're put together on the outside. He's, he's pleased with your heart. And the only way to have a pure heart, the only way to have a heart that God is pleased with is by trusting in Jesus, by trusting in the one who is sent, by trusting in God, by trusting in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. This is what the Christmas message reminds us of. The Christmas message reminds us that Jesus, he, he came, the message is for misfits. It's, it's, it's for those who are on the outs. It's, it's for those who, who can't follow the religious laws. It's for those who are, who are undependable. The message is that God, he comes and he dwells with us. He experiences all of the experiences, the human experiences that he could possibly experience. The Christmas message is about rejoicing, rejoicing that God has finally come. He's kept his promise. He's here In the 21st century, we get the privilege now of waiting for the second coming, for the second arrival. So now we wait and we rejoice. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for coming. We thank you for being born in the likeness of men. Stripping yourself of all glory, all majesty, all splendor. Being born of a virgin, being laid in a manger, being the son of a carpenter. 
And yet you did so because you loved us so much. And so please help us this Christmas not to be consumed by consumerism, but to be consumed with the good news of Emmanuel. God with us. Amen.